22 this morning. So Luke 8, verse 22, page 51 in the second set of page numbers. Luke 8. One day, he got into a boat with his disciples, and he said to them, Let us go across to the other side of the lake. So they put out, and while they were sailing, he fell asleep. A windstorm swept down on the lake, and the boat was filling with water, and they were in danger. They went to him and woke him up, shouting, Master, Master, we are perishing. And he woke up and rebuked the wind and the raging waves. They ceased, and there was a calm. He said to them, Where is your faith? They were afraid and amazed and said to one another, Who then is this? that he commands even the winds and the water, and they obey him. Then they arrived at the country of the Gerasenes, which is opposite Galilee. As he stepped out on land, a man of the city who had demons met him. For a long time he had worn no clothes, and he did not live in a house but in the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he fell down before him and shouted at the top of his voice, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I beg you, do not torment me. For Jesus had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man. For many times it had seized him. He was kept under guard and bound with chains and shackles, but he would break the bonds and be driven by the demons into the wild. Jesus then asked him, What is your name? He said, Legion, for many demons had entered him. They begged him not to order them to go back into the abyss. Now there on the hillside, a large herd of swine was feeding, and the demons begged Jesus to let them enter these. So he gave them permission. Then the demons came out of the man and entered the swine, and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and was drowned. When the swineherds saw what had happened, they ran off and told it in the city and in the country. Then people came out to see what had happened, and when they came to Jesus, they found the man from whom the demons had gone, sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Those who had seen it told them how the one who had been possessed by demons had been healed. Then all the people of the surrounding country of the Gerasenes asked Jesus to leave them, for they were seized with great fear. So he got into the boat and returned. The man from whom the demons had gone begged that he might be with him, but Jesus sent him away, saying, Return to your home and declare how much God has done for you. So he went away, proclaiming throughout the city, how much Jesus had done for him. The word of the Lord. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you for this opportunity that we have to come together this morning and to reflect on the word that you have given us. Lord, we pray that you would give us the wisdom to hear it and to receive the ways that you are speaking to us, Lord. Help it shape the way that we live, how we relate to other people, and how we relate to you, Lord. Lord, we pray that you would remove any distractions 
and help us stay focused on you and that everything we do might bring all praise and glory to your name. Amen. So I wanted us to start a little earlier in Luke today because I think it provides a pretty great contrast to the passage that we have. Because we have two instances where Jesus is interacting with people and they see his miraculous power and they are afraid. But how they act out of that fear, what their response to that sense of fear is, is quite different. And that's where I want us to spend some time this morning. And if you think this kind of sounds familiar, yes, a couple weeks ago, Pastor Chelsea talked about fear. And yes, we've been talking about how to live into the things God is calling us to. But I think that is part of the beauty of the lectionary, is it takes us to these passages that kind of repeat some of these big themes. Because I know I can at least speak for myself that I can hear something once and be like, yeah, it's a great idea. And then I don't always go out and put it into practice yet. And so then I hear it again and I'm like, oh yeah, I wanted to work on that. Thanks, God. So that's where we are today. We're going to talk again about what it means to recognize this fear and how to respond to it. So we saw, we don't get a full picture about the disciples on the boat, but we do know that they were afraid. But then they recognized God's majesty. And they couldn't really get away from Jesus. They were on a boat. They had some limited options. But we do know that they stayed with him. They could have, once they got to shore, been like, okay, we're a little overwhelmed. He just calmed the sea. I don't know that I want to hang out with him anymore. But they stayed with him. But then we go through this passage where we see that Jesus doesn't just have power over the earth. He doesn't just have power over the elements. He also has power over the demons. He is able to command them to leave this man. And that terrifies the people. Now, if we read into this carefully, we see that some of the fear might also be about their livelihood. Because the pigs that were on that hill, they weren't just wild pigs. They belonged to these people. This was their livelihood, and it is all now gone. The way that they found security, Jesus just kind of wiped out. And so there's some of that fear of like, what are we going to do now? And there's probably even a little bit of anger of like, who is he to rob us of our livelihood? But we see in multiple places here, this word fear, and they were overwhelmed with fear. And that's what God brings about. When we truly understand the power that God has, it can bring in us fear. Because that kind of power doesn't leave things as they are. It doesn't maintain the status quo. It calls you to be willing to say, yep, I lost everything, but God worked a miracle here, and I'm going to celebrate that. Because this was, this was an amazing miracle. This man who had been isolated from his community for years 
was fully restored. They saw him brought back to the way that God had intended him to live and demons being gotten rid of in the process. And they say, Jesus, you got to go. Like, you came here, you did the miracle, we saw it. We got together and we voted and you need to leave right now. We don't want you to stay. And so Jesus leaves. He doesn't say, no, let's talk it out. He just gets back in his boat and he goes. And I wonder if as he was sailing away, if those people realized yet what they were missing out on. If they knew what it meant to have sent the coming Savior on his way. That the opportunity for teaching and for more miracles that they could have had, they just casually threw it in the trash. Or I wonder if it took them a while. If in that moment, they were so busy being angry about the swine and so scared about what it might mean for this man to stay and keep changing things. Eugene Patterson wrote the message, and he paraphrases it in this way. He says, Those tending the pigs, scared to death, bolted and told their story in town. People went out to see what had happened. They came to Jesus and found the man from whom the demons had been sent, sitting there at Jesus' feet, wearing decent clothes and making sense. It was a holy moment, and for a short time, they were more reverent than curious. Then those who had seen it happen told how the demoniac had been saved. Later, a great many people from the Gerasian countryside got together and asked Jesus to leave. Too much change, too fast, and they were scared. How does that resonate with us today? Because he captures here this unique kind of societal feature of when it was just a couple people, for just a moment, it was more reverent than anything else. For just a moment, they were like, wow, God just did something crazy in a good way. And then they started to be curious. And they started to think about the repercussions of what it might mean for someone to be doing crazy things in their midst. And then they got together with some other people. And that's where it goes wrong. How often have we had it? We're on our own. We're like, I'm kind of impressed. And then someone else kind of whispers in your ear of like, Ooh, this could be bad for business. This could mean a really big radical change in your life if you follow. And we say, oh, you're right. We kind of lose that sense of wonder, that sense of awe. And we start focusing on the change. Because let's be honest, change is hard and it is scary, especially when it comes fast. And that was kind of Jesus' way. He didn't 
prepare them for this. He didn't ask their permission. He didn't give them a preface and say, like, so I'm going to do this miracle. And you might have to give something up in the process for this man to be restored. But don't worry, because I'm, like, the Savior, and it's going to all be okay. He just did it. And that's sometimes how life is. Things just happen. And in the back of our minds, we might know, like, God's got it. It's okay. He's going to provide. But in that moment, that is pushed to the background, and we're just like, whew, I don't think I can handle this change right now. That fear seeps in, and it blocks everything else out of what might I have to give up for Jesus to have his way? What is it going to cost me to let Jesus dwell in my midst, to let him restore people that have been on the fringes? I was having coffee with a friend last week, And he told me the story of this new ministry that he had been starting. And it was a running ministry, so they met at 8 a.m., which that right there, I was like, whew, good on you. I do not run at 8 in the morning. But he was ambitious. He's like, we're going to get together, we're going to run at 8 in the morning, and I'm going to get up at 5.30, and I'm going to pray beforehand. I was like, (laughs) Awesome. (laughs) I'm not sure how we're friends. But then he kept telling the story, and I was like, ah, there we go. His alarm goes off at 5.30, and he's like, ooh, my bed is really comfortable. It is dark, I'm warm, I'm cozy. Group's not till 8. Hit that snooze button. This goes on until it's time to, like, actually run out the door and get to his group. So that great plan he had didn't happen. And he said he was reflecting on it later in his quiet time with God, and that God spoke to him and told him, we all have comfort zones. Some are very literal, like our bed, and some are more theoretical, places where we feel safe, where we are tempted to be like, I'm just going to be here. Everything else is still going to be waiting And he said, but I realized that if I stayed in my comfort zone, I was missing out on time with God in which anything could have happened. God could have done amazing things in that time if I had just gotten out of my comfort zone. But I chose to stay where I was, and I missed it. And he said that it just really resonated with him of that is life for us as Christians. We are always going to be tempted to stay with what we know, with what is warm and fuzzy, with what is comfortable. And God is going to be out there calling and say, come, let's do amazing things together. Let's restore creation Let's do miracles. Let's tell people about the gospel. And he's going to do it. God is going to do his work. And that invitation is there. But for us to follow it, we have to be intentional about stepping out 
of our comfort zone. Of saying, it is going to cost me something. It might cost me some sleep. It might cost me some warmth and comfort. It might cost me part of my livelihood. It might cost me a sense of security. It might have to be willing to risk embarrassment and talk to someone you don't know. There are a million ways that every day we are given the opportunity to step out of our comfort zone or to stay with what we know. But if we stay with what we know, we are walking away from what Jesus is doing. Because Jesus was not about things just staying the same. But fortunately for us, the comfort we can take is in knowing that the change that Jesus brings is for the better. That he doesn't take things away arbitrarily. That he doesn't want us to suffer. That from our perspective, we might only see the short-term suffering, the loss of the pigs. But God is about something bigger. And if we are willing to say, I'm going to join in, I'm going to step out, and I'm going to do it, then we can be a part of some pretty crazy, amazing things as well. And God is going to give us all we need to do it. And that's where I love that, again, it is the fourth Sunday. I will admit, I forgot we had communion until, like, Thursday. And I was, like, going through of, okay, what do I need to prepare for Sunday? And I was like, oh, (laughs) communion again. I was like, I felt we just did that for a while. But the beautiful thing is, we always need this table. And yes, from a preparation standpoint, it might be like, okay, what's a new way to get you guys engaged with the table? But it doesn't have to be new. Because this is our comfort. This can be the safe, warm place that we want to stay forever when everything else around us is changing and challenging us and forcing us to grow. When we are overwhelmed with fear, this table is where we come back and we say, I know this. This is home. I know what I'm going to get. I know what Jesus is offering. And I can come and be one with my family. So let's do that this morning, brothers and sisters. As we come to the table, knowing that we are repentant sinners, Christ wants to assure us of his forgiveness. As we come with our struggles, Christ wants to assure us of his living presence. And as we come with our doubts, Christ wants to touch us with his flesh and blood, and the reality of his life. Let's pray. Holy God, creator of each of us, we exclaim with the psalmist, Lord, you have searched me and you know me. You created my inmost being. You knot me together in my mother's womb. 
I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. With thanksgiving and delight, we acknowledge that none of us is the mindless product of arbitrary forces of nature. We are persons created by you with fatherly care. You remind us that in our uniqueness, each of us is loved and willed by you, and the details of our lives matter to you. Humbly, we say thanks for making us who we are. We bless you and give thanks, too, for your Son, Jesus Christ, our Savior from sin, and for his Spirit, our Lord's continuing presence and power among us. Amen. So the Lord Jesus Christ.